Hey there, welcome to the Art of Being Human podcast where we dive into life's big questions. Questions like, how did I become the person that I am? What is the impact of the stories that I tell myself? How can I be a beneficial presence to the people around me? And my personal favorite, how do I live a spiritual life in a material world? And of course, so many more. Well, friends, today's topic is one that I find endlessly fascinating. So far in this Radical Acceptance series, we've talked about what radical acceptance is and is not and what it means to practice that radical acceptance for ourselves, right? Learning how to see ourselves in a way that causes us to go deeper than the superficial and then to find compassion for what we see. And to be honest, by practicing this radical acceptance for yourself, you're building an amazing foundation for the next step. And that is the step of accepting others, which is what we're going to talk about today. And I think this is just such an important subject, especially right now. It seems like in so many ways, our world and our culture is becoming more and more divisive. And we tend to believe this idea that we're somehow separate instead of realizing that although we experience different things and have different ways of living, and although we have different lenses that we view the world through, we are all having a human experience and that we all experience the same needs and emotions. And in that way, we are so, so connected. But before we dive into what it looks like to accept others, I want to make an extremely important statement. Radical acceptance does not mean that you accept abuse of any kind. It does not mean that you should stay in a relationship or a situation where you are being hurt or taken advantage of. In those cases, radical acceptance would be actually seeing the abuse, seeing what's really happening. And instead of rejecting what you see by saying the things we commonly say, like, oh, they'll change, or oh, maybe it's not that bad, instead removing yourself from that danger as soon as possible, all while having compassion for yourself and the situation, and maybe someday for the other person. So I want to be really clear, radical acceptance is never staying in a place of abuse or danger. And if that is a place where you find yourself, please get help. If you're located in Canada, you can go to www.endingviolencecanada.org and they have so many resources for you there. So please, like I said, if you find yourself in a situation where you are experiencing abuse or where you feel like you're in danger, please get help. Okay, so I don't know about you, but there can be times when it is so hard to fully accept the people around us. We disagree with the way they live or the way they treat us or what they believe, and we just simply want them to be different, to live different, and to respond to us differently. And we can get so frustrated when they don't. And what most of us don't realize is that when we're in a relationship with someone, there's actually two relationships happening. There's the relationship that's happening in our minds, and then there's the relationship that's happening in the real world. The relationship that's happening in our minds is commonly referred to as our fantasy relationship, and the relationship that's happening in the real world obviously is called the real relationship. 
most of us spend a huge amount of time in our fantasy worlds with our fantasy relationships. And it's often only when things don't go right that we're brought back to the real world and forced to see our real relationships. Let me give you an example. So in my relationship with my hubby, we've been together 21 years. I have built a fantasy hubby. And in this fantasy, he is a guy who every morning when I wake up is ready to give me a hug and to spend some time in the morning just cuddling. And of course, every time he does this, I am so happy and I feel so loved. But then there is also our real relationship and my real husband where he wakes up about three hours earlier than I do and is normally knee-deep in work and clients by the time I stumble barely awake into his office. And sometimes the timing just isn't right. He either doesn't have time or he forgets or just isn't quick enough for my liking. And at that moment, I am confronted with my real husband. And my real husband is not acting the way my fantasy husband does. This real husband is one who doesn't value the morning hugs like I do, although he tries his best, God bless him, and sometimes doesn't meet the need that I have. And in that moment, I have two choices. I can either be upset because he's not acting like the fantasy husband that I have, the relationship within my mind, or I can meet my real husband exactly the way he is. And when I meet my real husband exactly the way he is, I can look at him as an individual with his own needs, values, desires, hopes, and dreams instead of seeing him only in regards to how he affects me. Because this tends to be the lens we use most often when we look at others. How does their behavior affect me instead of how is their behavior good for them or a solution or the right choice for them? I can choose to practice radical acceptance. I can see him as he really is and get curious about how, from his point of view, his behavior is right for him. And then I can find compassion for what his needs are. Now, let's say something that's obvious. This is a very cute little example and one that holds no large consequences. But it does contain truth. And it's a truth that can also be found in much deeper discrepancies between fantasy relationships and real relationships. We all have people in our lives that we find it hard to have common ground with, where we find ourselves on opposite sides of the behavior or the ideas that are important to us. We all have people in our lives that don't meet our expectations in a way that makes the relationship extremely hard to continue. We have people that hurt us, backstab us, disappoint us, and let us down. Some of us have parents that don't support our lifestyle or family members that want us to toe the line on a certain belief system or way of being. And we tend to have friends that can sometimes be upset because what we value leads us to support different causes or political parties or ideologies. And for most of us, we spend our time trying to browbeat each other into matching the fantasy versions that we have of each other, instead of accepting that when we hit up against a difference, even a difficult one, and we accept them, then we are finally in a place where we are in a real relationship with real people. For so many of us, we are in fantasy relationships with fantasy people. And it's so extremely difficult sometimes to be in a real relationship. And 
often when we meet someone that it's extremely difficult for us to be in relationship with, we tend to respond in four different ways. And really, it doesn't even take us to be you know, massively different. Even with the people that we're very similar to, we tend to respond in four different ways. One, we tend to quickly reject that person, their behavior or their ideas. For many of us, this means that we don't want them around us. We don't include them in our friend group or if they're family, we spend as little time with them as possible. They become the them to our us, right? When it gets played out in a bigger stage, we see countries going to war, we see racism, we see refugee refugees with no place to go, right? And we begin to use language that vilifies and depersonalizes them until, to be honest, in the worst case scenarios, we are completely okay with their destruction, right? And I know this sounds extreme, but you just have to turn on the news and you see exactly this type of behavior, The second way that we can respond is by accepting the differences as long as we don't have to see them. It's like saying, it's fine that we're different. I just don't want to hear about it and I don't want to see it. This happens like, for an example, when we go home for Thanksgiving and we say, I am just not going to talk to Uncle Bill about politics. Or we say to our partner, since we're not married, my parents are going to make us sleep in different bedrooms, even though you've been living together for years. It's like saying, you know, we're fine with, you know, people living a completely alternative lifestyle than the one we choose, but we're just not going to be friends with them, right? We all have a tendency to pick this way sometimes. And the third way that we can respond is just by removing all the differences, by saying, well, we're just all the same. And we saw this with the Black Lives Matter, right? When Black Lives Matter came on the stage and became something we all became aware of, and it asked us to see something that we didn't want to see. And so many people responded with, well, all lives matter. And it removed the fact that there's differences. And when we remove the fact that there's differences, we remove anything that we could have learned from. Now, if you respond in one of these three ways, you'll notice something very interesting you'll notice that in each way of responding, you are right. In the first two, you're right and the other person is wrong. And in the third one, you're both right. But there is a fourth way of responding once you've set the foundation for ra- with, of radical acceptance. And that is to look at things and look at yourself through the lens of the other person with such a deep curiosity that when you look back at your own behavior, your own behavior looks strange right? Let me give you an example. There was a therapist um, that was going to go work in an Indigenous community. And when he first arrived at the community and he looked at how they raised their children, the children would run from house to house, acting as if each house was their own. They spent most of their time unsupervised and playing outside. Um, But if some of the kids, you know, would do something they weren't supposed to do, then every adult felt like they had the freedom to discipline them. And this therapist thought like, oh, this is a huge problem. These kids are not grounded in their families. They lack connection with their mothers and fathers. They're allowed too much freedom and not enough structure and on and on and on. But the longer he stayed in the community and the more he got to know the people that lived there and began to see the world through their lens, he finally got some understanding. He finally was able to go, oh, this is why they live that way. This is why it's a positive thing. This is why, you know, they, they're making the choices that they're making. And then 
when he looked back at his own community, he thought, how strange it is that we live so isolated from one another, that we don't allow the influence of other people to penetrate us, that we build so many fences and so many boundaries. And maybe that's why my community feels so alone. And this community that I'm observing has such a communal feeling. And maybe some of this is an answer to my loneliness. And this story is so impactful, not because it glorifies one way of living over another, but because it causes us to look through more than just our own natural lens, to see the world through another person's eyes and to allow what we see to pierce us, to change us, to make us bigger and more. And this can happen if we choose to live with radical acceptance. If we decided to ask questions instead of making judgments on someone's life, behavior, or ideas, if we got curious and actually explored who they were, if we decided that all of our relationships were going to be real relationships and that as best we could, we would let go of our fantasy relationships, what would change in most of our lives? Who would we be willing to be around? What would change about how we ourselves lived our lives? I think it's just an endlessly fascinating question. Now, you may be thinking, if I did that, Meg, what would happen to what I need? And let's be honest, that's a great question because radical acceptance is not a denial of your needs. But when you first radically accept someone, then you are finally ready to express your need. When James and I got married, I expected him to hug me every morning because I thought that was normal. That was good. And at first, being newlyweds, it was so hurtful that he didn't do that. But when I radically accepted him and saw what it looked like from his eyes when I stumbled into his office three hours after him with his focus being on work and what he had to do, I had compassion for him and grace. And I had compassion for myself. I still communicated to him that a hug was important, but I didn't feel so rejected when he forgot. And I learned to ask instead of placing the complete burden on him to meet my need. It doesn't always go smoothly, but he never became the other to my us. I don't build unhelpful stories that he doesn't care or, you know, that, you know, he's not meeting up with my fantasy husband. I don't expect him to be my fantasy husband. I have learned to love the real him. And thankfully, he has done the same for me. All right, dear friends, while you are practicing radical acceptance, whether it is in small things like a morning hug or big things like looking at a group of people or an ideology or a way of living that you would have previously rejected, just know that I am cheering for you and I am so excited about your journey. And remember, it's not about being perfect. It's just about getting started.